All right, man. Hey, welcome to the program. Yeah. How you doing? Good, good. Thank you again uh, for taking time to be on my show. Um, I know that we follow each other on Twitter, but it's it's uh-huh. cool to finally meet you uh, in, in virtual form <laughs> this way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you at, by the way? I'm based out of Indianapolis. How about yourself? L.A. L.A. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I figured you would be uh, on the West Coast. And um, in preparing for this show, you reminded me of a scholarship that I won through NBC Universal, partly. It was the Tony Coelho um, Media Scholarship. It was for people with disabilities involved with media. And uh, just reminded me, I mean, it, it brings back memories from 2016 because I received wow. it back then. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. Were you involved with that at all? The, the scholarship? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I just, um, I think it was for several thousand dollars. I mean, it ended up paying for all the equipment that I'm using now. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, Tony would be proud that I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, it looks you know, like doing you're doing this. pretty well. Are you all done with school now? Yeah, I, I actually graduated in uh, May of 2017 and then was a producer for a couple radio stations here in Indianapolis. And then once the pandemic hit and then my, my dad passed away as well, you know, it was just a lot. And Decided to create my own content and uh, interview people like yourself that have been in entertainment. So, well, well, is the goal for you eventually to go to Los Angeles or New York? Um, I would, you know, if there was an opportunity there. Uh, one thing that I will tell you, I mean, living in Indianapolis, you know, the racing capital of the world, uh, a lot of people drive a car and. and I can drive a car. I use hand controls as somebody with a disability, but it, it's not easy. So if I lived in uh, New York or California, the, the public transportation might be a little easier to use. Yeah. Well, LA, it's hard to live here without a car. Yeah. To be honest with you. Have well, you ever visited? I have not been to California, but I want to make it out there. I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, let's go ahead and document this because I, I know he reported the story today. Uh, Ryan Seacrest said that he's going to be leaving the show with Kelly. And just as an, an executive, I mean, is this a hard day <laughs> to be an executive when you have an honor talent like Ryan leave a show like that? It would be, but to be honest with you, I'm shocked that he lasted six years. I'm shocked he even took the job in the first place i mean ryan seacrest is one of the busiest guys in hollywood he's got so i don't know whether you know know this or not but he does a morning radio show here in la right so i don't know how he was pulling off those several hours in the morning plus co-hosting live with kelly plus american idol plus everything else he does you know producing the kardashians i think he was probably felt he was spread too thin and Uh I think he was too. <laughs> well, and now he can, uh, you know, put his efforts into into something else. Uh, something that also happened recently uh, is the Super Bowl as well. Uh, and I worked with Noel Kassler. I don't know if you've come across his profile on Twitter, but he was a talent escort for several Super Bowls. Uh, and, and this most recent one had Rihanna performing. So what, what were your thoughts on that? I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. I... I saw the halftime show. Most people liked it, but I saw some mixed reviews also. Yeah. But, you know, she's so talented and she just sang her hits. 
it was just her without guest stars, you know, her and the dancers. And I got to give kudos to the stage managers and the engineers behind uh, putting together her staging, because to have those flying platforms with all those performers and to set that up and break it down so quickly and do it safely with her hanging in the air, um, you know, that's quite a feat to accomplish that in 16, 16 minutes or so. So I thought it, I liked it a lot. What did you think of it? I dug it. Uh, you know, it was really cool that obviously one of the main stories was that she was pregnant at the Super Bowl. Right. And uh, <laughs> quite a way to yeah. reveal it, too. Yeah. And uh, it's funny to me that her baby has been to more uh, Super Bowls than the Cowboys the last 20 years. So, you know, we have that <laughs> to uh, to put our hat on. But did you were you rooting for any particular team? Uh, in the, in the- I, w- I was not. I was more into seeing how they were going to pull off the halftime show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was more into, into the entertainment aspects of it and uh, the performances, commercials, yeah. the creative parts behind it. See, I, I interned for the Colts for a few seasons, and uh, by some miracle, the, the Colts were able to defeat the Chiefs. So I, I was rooting for Kansas City in that if they win the Super Bowl and we defeated them, there is that little bit of moral victory there <laughs> for us. Did you have some money riding on it? No, no, I that would ruin the, the game experience for me. I can't have skin in the game. <laughs> for, for for some me. people, that's what makes the game experience. It, yeah, no, it it would freak me out. You know, I, I'd always right. be checking the score and uh, be be too worried about it. But um, to get in your role with uh, NBC Universal, how did you get started w- with something like that? <laughs> Well, Jimmy, I kind of fell into it accidentally, to be honest with you. I was was an actor, and that's what brought me to Los Angeles. I'm from the Midwest originally myself, from Michigan. Okay. And when I was at Michigan State, I had done several TV commercials. Again, accidentally, I had a neighbor who was an executive for General Motors. He asked me to be in a Chevrolet ad, and then one thing led to another, and I was doing commercials for the car companies. So I thought this was really an easy way to make money. Maybe I should look at this acting thing. Although my heart wasn't in it and it really wasn't a passion, but that's what brought me to Los Angeles after graduation. And I had an agent lined up out here already. And then I thought, well, I need a job on the side while I'm pursuing acting. And I didn't really want to wait on tables. Mm -hmm. So I had heard they give this, they had tour guides at the movie studios so I applied to be a tour guide at Universal Studios and just loved the job because I was sharing my passion for film and television with yeah. film and television fans that were paying to go behind the gates of the movie studio. And one thing just led to another. They just kept promoting me to management positions and then I went into an executive position and I ended up being there uh, 30 years. Yeah. What were some of the main uh, responsibilities you had for what NBC Universal has now? What what, what can people give credit to you for <laughs> with what's there? What they can give credit to me for, partial credit, because there was a huge team behind it, sure. uh, would be the resorts division of NBC Universal, which started with the studio tour at Universal City in Hollywood. It was just a very small operation when I got there. And I looked at, as a tour guide, how it could be revamped and represented 
And I presented my plans to the president of the studio unsolicited. And he called me to his office and said, this is how I've always envisioned it. I want you to put this plan into action. So that kind of fast-tracked my career. And then we just kept expanding on the studio tour. And then the studio tour led to an expansion of the theme park, which led to us opening theme parks in Florida. And now they're all around the world. But what made the experience of working at the Los Angeles studio unique is that it's an actual working motion picture and television studio. So as part of the key job aspects I had was to work as the liaison between the studio tour and the different TV and movie productions on a lot who wanted to be incorporated into the studio tour. So I'm the one that kind of got behind that and drove it so that when you take the studio tour, you actually are being immersed into a real working motion picture and television studio. And I, I haven't had the pleasure to to see any of those yet. I, I want to do that. And the, the pandemic and everything else has prevented me from traveling. But yeah, I do want yeah. to get out and, and see it. So. I think it would blow, blow your mind. Uh, people love it. And it's really one of the most unique attractions in the world. It's really one of a kind, really worth seeing. Uh, I, I mean, not just because I helped develop it, worked there for years, but I yeah. really, really recommend it to folks to check it out. Well, and NBC Universal is a big umbrella. There's a lot of subsidiaries in it. What, what's all included in that to give people context? Well, of course, the, the NBC flagship network comes to mind right away and Universal Pictures uh, which makes the movies comes to mind right away. Right. But NBC Universal also owns and operates some of the lead, leading cable networks and streaming services. So they kind of have, have their tentacles into all aspects of the entertainment and media industry. It's one of the, I think it's only second, second or third to Disney and uh, yeah. Time Warner would be NBC Universal. So, I mean, it's a huge conglomerate. And I was there when the merger took place between Universal Studios and NBC, hmm. and they got so large. So I, I lived through all, all of that. I was there through five corporate owners that Universal Studios had, uh, and thankfully survived all five corporate takeovers <laughs> and, and thrived in my career. But I think just a little advice for people who may be watching and listening uh, you've got to really embrace change at the workplace and just roll with it. Look at it as a challenge and kind of look at yourself to how you respond to change. A lot of people don't like change and they kind of shirk from it and back away from it. But yeah. I recommend jumping into change and at the workplace. And I think you'll really stand out if you do. One thing that I read about you as well is that you were responsible for... Um, the VIP access experience for like celebrities, heads of state, <laughs> important people. Um, I feel like that would be a lot of pressure <laughs> if you're around people that are of fame and of importance. <laughs> it, it is. And let me give you a little background on that. I mean, we had what was called the VIP tour when I started there, but it had been designed for studio executives and their friends and, and contacts. It was a very small operation. I think there were three VIP studio guides and that was about it. Mm -hmm. And then we slowly started expanding it. 
And then I was put in charge of it. And I looked at it and, and thought, we can turn this into an all-day experience, hmm. open it up to the public, charge a boatload of money for it. You know, hmm. people have that kind of disposable income. And so we added all sorts of aspects to it, including, you know, catered breakfast, catered lunch in a private dining room served by the studio chefs, um, access to the actual sets where you could get off the tour vehicle and walk around the sets and take photos. We would take people into the costume department and the property department and lighting and the grip department. Wow. And it was an all day immersive experience. The thing took off completely completely makes a boatload of money for the studio and sells out during the peak season every single day. So it's turned into a huge success. Um, people don't realize this, but for years and years and years during the entire time I was there, uh -huh. the studio tour in the theme park division actually made more money for NBC Universal than any other division, including Universal Pictures <laughs> and the NBC Television Network. So it, I'm very proud to say that it turned out to be a very successful business. But the VIP tour was great because the, the highest level of VIPs would take it. I mean, the biggest stars in the world mm -hmm. because it afforded them a bit of privacy and security. And you may be thinking like, well, why would a movie star want to take a tour of a movie studio? Well, the reason is, you know, they have friends and family in from out of town and they know if they take the VIP tour, they'll get a nicely packaged presentation of how movies and television shows are made. And it's a lot more interesting than just visiting a set where you're sitting around waiting hour after hour after hour. So we had, I mean, everyone has taken it. Heads of state, royalty, uh, top level corporate executives, uh, movie stars, they, some of them would take it over and over again. Yeah. Uh, when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were married, which is during the time I was there, they would they would come probably once every other month and bring their kids with them, who found it wildly entertaining. It was a great way to occupy their time for the day. Um, I, I was going to ask you, did any celebrities, because Lord knows ego is part of this whole thing, did any of them have strange requests or, or ridiculous things for you to address? <laughs> No, not like you would think. Yeah, they would have strange requests. What would seem strange, but in a positive manner, they would actually ask our operators of the VIP tour: "Is there any way you can position it so I can greet the fans in a controlled environment?" Huh. Instead of instead of avoiding them, I, a lot of them look at it they realize that their position brings a lot of attention, a lot of fan and paparazzi attention, but they kind of leverage it, the smart ones. They realize it's a business and they realize those people at the theme park for the day who are paying a lot of money to go there are their fans. So they kind of want to give back and have that personal touch. So we were pleasantly surprised that so many of the celebrities that came to visit us would want to actually spend time greeting and meeting the fans and posing for pictures. It was, it was quite endearing, actually. We, ne we never really had any problems with celebrities as far as demands go. Nothing out of the ordinary at all. Um, yeah. Everybody, I'm happy to say, is pretty well behaved, at least the ones that we dealt with.
Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing that I can recall about Trump during his time uh, was that he would ask for a golf cart nearly everywhere. You know, he, yeah, there was only a certain amount of steps that he could take. Uh, Did you ever have to work with, I mean, I would imagine with secret service and like private security, did that ever get to be a problem? Yeah. We would have royalty come um, from overseas. They would bring their own security when heads of state would come, they bring their own security and then we would add security to that. Uh, But even not as far as royalty or heads of state, when the Kardashians would come quite often and bring their friends, I mean, they had huge security teams with them. Uh, and, and speaking of riding around in a golf cart, yeah, if you know, you're not really physically able or older or whatever, if you had that request, we would take care of it. Sure. Um, when Elizabeth Taylor and Michael Jackson came together to take the VIP tour because they were good friends, um, Elizabeth Taylor took the entire tour in a wheelchair as Michael Jackson walked alongside of her with their security detail. So yeah, it's all it's interesting. People have different requests, and you know our job is to accommodate them within reason. Well, and post COVID, I think everything is a little different. Um, how did COVID impact the experience? Well, it was devastating. It closed us down for um, the lead nine months. Okay, uh, I mean completely shut us down, and then we slowly had a phased reopening, and then. Finally, now, I mean, we're open 100% and business has never been better. So it bounced right back. Well, and see, I think about Ron DeSantis, who is already starting to clamp down on Disney. Is he starting to impact the business with Universal and their theme parks? Are they a little worried about that? <laughs> no, he, has, <laughs> he hasn't touched us yet. Yeah. I think, I mean... I don't know if you want to get into politics. I'll touch upon it a little bit, but I think Ron DeSantis is going after Disney because they're so iconic in the family market. Universal is not. In fact, the Universal theme parks are purposely more adult oriented. Uh, We have a lot of family elements to them, but but we're not afraid to push the envelope at Universal Studios and go more adult oriented. So I think if you were to go after Universal, backfire on him i think he's going after disney because it's you know the family icon right well and and see i worked with noel castler and he lived he lived in uh new york city and he would say you know i i came across paul mccartney all the time i would see celebrities all the time and i feel like that might be the same in in la but do you get starstruck anymore with with the job that you have i don't i you know i i just really seen every star in the world both mostly at work and you do actually occasionally run into them in LA and I've tweeted about that people you know ask I'm coming to LA where can I see stars it's not the places you would think Uh, I mean I could give you some specific locations but you do see them and no I don't get I'm not I do get stars not starstruck but I don't get I'm not bored with it. I, I, I know how important they are as far as drawing an audience. I respect what they've accomplished. I usually respect their body of work. So I don't get jaded by it. I still appreciate it uh, whenever I see or meet, or meet a star. 
Well, and you've had a vast experience uh, in entertainment, but one thing about entertainment that gets to me on a much smaller level is that you do need work-life balance. Were you able to achieve that uh, with your executive position? Um, it was tough. I put in a lot of hours at work, but it was, I had like the, the, the best job in the world. I mean, <laughs> it was so much fun. You go to work every day and your whole goal with your team is how, how can we plan a day, an event, yeah. an attraction that will entertain, thrill, and educate millions of people from around the world? So it's like you're throwing a giant party every day for <laughs> really hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and to some people, that may sound kind of trite, you know, well, oh, no, he's not you know, curing cancer or anything like that. Well, no, we weren't doing that. You know, we're not in the medical field. But to a lot of people around the world, really their only escape from loneliness or whatever is the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, of course, grow up with it. And that's how they escape into that world that's different than their everyday life. So I think what we do in media and the entertainment industry is providing very important service that a lot of people kind of like take it for granted that it's <laughs> always going to be there. Sure, I grew up with it, but do I really need it? Well, you may not, but a lot of people do, and they do rely on it to provide a measure of happiness to their lives. And I'm proud to have been a part of it. Well, and see, I'm I'm the product of a singer and musician who was here for really? uh, 40 years in Indianapolis, had a local band and um, did some national things and, and worked with the Bob and Tom show, which is a nationally syndicated show. But what jobs did your parents have when you were growing up? My dad was a cop. Okay. Detroit cop. My mom never worked. Raised five kids. Well, that's work, definitely. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I admired my parents a lot. My dad was, a, you know, a cop in the city of Detroit, but not for very long. He partnered up with another cop, and they threw their money together, and they bought a very small bar near downtown Detroit and kind of ran that, and then that got very popular. So then they bought a larger cocktail lounge and that got very successful. They sold that and then my dad went off on his own and opened a large nightclub lounge and restaurant with live entertainment and was hugely successful. Yeah. Um, and he sold that at a very young age and retired at I think age 45. Um, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of him and my mom raising five kids, you know, my brothers and sisters and myself, of course, and doing a fantastic job at it. So uh, not neither one from a show business background, but as a little kid growing up in Michigan, I was one of those kids that escaped into the world of television and movies and always loved it. And I was happy to be a part of it in my adult life. Did you get to share some of your success with your parents? Did they get to like take the tour with you and all that? I did. Oh yeah. They would come visit all the time. And awesome. uh, we took the VAP tour and the regular tour. And um, <laughs> my, my mom, one of her, her earlier visits were walking around on the universal lot. And she's like, aren't we going to see any stars? I mean, <laughs> this is a movie lot. 
where are the stars, Mike? I go, mom, mom, look behind you, look behind you. And she turns around and Michael Jackson is standing <laughs> at the bungalow right behind her waiting to meet with John Landis, the director. I think he was directing a music video for him. He's just standing there with one other person. I go, there's a star. And she goes, who is it? I go, it's Michael Jackson. And without missing a beat, she said, who's he? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no idea. But, oh, well. Well, it's, you know, to connect it back to where I'm from, uh, Michael Jackson uh, from Gary, Gary, Indiana, originally. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, you're right. <laughs> again, uh, Larry Bird, Michael Jackson, a lot, a lot of uh, strange characters come out of here. Um, you know, with all the celebrities you've been around, all the things that you've seen, uh, did you ever get invited to, like, red carpet events and private parties? I, I would imagine that was part of it, too. It was. Uh, we would go to a lot of red carpet events and parties. And um, I'm often invited by still by movie studios because of my Twitter feed. They want me to promote their... Uh, I get invited to screening of... I don't know when was last time I paid for a movie, but yeah. the studios want me to come because they want me to promote the film uh, on social media. So yeah, I definitely take advantage of that. There are so many screenings and events and red carpets in Hollywood. And right now we're in the middle of awards season. Right. I, I mean, you can't just, you can't go to all of them. You just can't keep up, keep up with it really. So I have to pick and choose and, you know, go to the ones that I think will be most interesting. And, and not only as far as whatever, whatever the film or TV project or streaming project might be, but where I think I would meet the most interesting people. Who are some of your favorite actors that you like to watch their work? Well, Meryl Streep has been my favorite, I would say, uh, actor for, for decades. I love Tom Hanks. I'm kind of more into the classic movie stars rather than sure. superhero or, or Marvel stars. Um, I like movies and stories that move me and are about real people and tell a real story that perhaps I could relate to um, rather than es escaping into the world of superheroes and, and uh, comic book stars. Well, and, and see, one other question I wanted to ask you, because I know it had to do with NBC at the time. Uh, and remember, I'm from Indianapolis, so I'm a huge David Letterman fan. Uh, oh, yeah. I always watched him uh, with Late Night. But I remember when the whole fiasco between Jay Leno and, and Conan went, went down at NBC. Were, were you there or involved with that? At I all? was there and heavily involved in it. And this is going to blow your mind. Jimmy. Okay. Um, so they moved Jay Leno, as you know, know to the 10 p.m. primetime slot right. uh, because he was the number one late night talk show host and the NBC needed a 10 p.m. show so they thought it would work there it turned out to be a colossal failure as you know uh -huh. and so then they put Conan into the 11:30 classic the tonight show slot and it was cool with Conan doing it because he opened up his stage to the VIP tour for us so we could bring guests into it and then he would start doing bits with our studio tour tram at one of the bits was he and a camera crew actually hijacked the tram, had the tour guide move out of their seat, and they drove the tram 
out the studio gates into a 99 cent store down the boulevard. <laughs> we knew he was going to do it, of course. And we had the police block up all the streets and they were all involved. But he would constantly integrate the studio tour into his show and vice versa. So we loved having him there. But we knew he wasn't doing well in the time slot. And we had heard rumblings that they were going to move Jay back into it. And sure enough, my phone rang at home at about four in the morning. And I got the word that uh, Conan O'Brien was being fired and Jay Leno was moving back into the uh, Tonight Show slot. And that we had to remove all mentions, video, banners, signage, anything having to do with Conan O'Brien uh, in the Tonight Show had to be erased from the studio. <laughs> by the time of opening at 9 a.m. Yeah. And, and he was everywhere. I mean, he was on billboards and banners and he was part of the studio tour. We had media on the tour of him hijacking the tram. And just through phone calls from home and emails, we had a, a race Conan O'Brien like he never existed uh, when he got oh. fired. I mean, it was so brutal and it was an amazing experience to go through. Um, but I was shocked that heads didn't roll with that decision to move Jay Leno to 10 p.m. because it really was a huge mistake, as we all know, looking back now. Well, and uh, I think it was in 2010. I mean, it, it was a while back, and I can remember the the settlement that Conan got. It was like 40, yeah. it was 40 million dollars to yeah, not to off. not host the Tonight Show. Right. <laughs> which that's a pretty good deal for Conan, really. It's a good deal, but to, to have, to, to be the host of the Tonight Show, yes, I think it was probably a huge blow to, blow to him. Um, but yeah, he definitely got paid off for it. So, um, As much as the Tonight Show is an institution, uh, one thing that I, I'm worried about for the future of the of country and democracy, which I know you advocate for, is like mainstream media and going a little more conservative across the board like how much of a responsibility does the mainstream media have to be liberal and and advocate for things that the people need <laughs> you're, you're you're speaking about news media right not yes yes yeah. uh because we've seen like msnbc get rid of tiffany cross and these more right. progressive hosts when they had improving ratings you know Right, and supposedly CNN under their new CEO is going more conservative um, and they want their hosts to be more uh, middle of the road or whatever. Yeah. So your question is, how important is it to be? Yeah, I mean, I, of the, the issue I have with it is like it, it becomes a, a cash cow. You know, once, yeah. once Trump was able to generate ratings in the summer for the debates, everybody started cashing in <laughs> and it, it continues to be that which uh, that's not at least that's not the way i learned media was supposed to be it's supposed to be the watchdog for the rest of society well when i was a kid um many years ago before you were born that's the way media was i mean you got your news from one of three evening network newscasts either abc mm -hmm. cbs or nbc and that was it there was no 24-hour cable news it was just one of those three newscasts and those three newscasts were very similar and very middle of the road but then you know 
once cable came, came along and they had to start filling up 24 hours of news and the news cycle started moving so quickly, mm-hmm. I think the people that ran those networks found out that if they put people in silos, as you said, they're going to make a lot of money by, you know, Fox News appealing to the Fox News crowd, MSNBC appealing to the MSNBC more liberal crowd with very opinionated hosts. So I would like it to be more in the middle, but I, I don't honestly see it happening. Do you? No. Uh, the, the problem I have is like, you don't really know what anyone's baseline is. <laughs> you know, there used right. to be like a certain line that no American would cross. Now, the, now democracy it, as a thought seems to be that line, which is pretty scary. I mean, uh, and plus you have Twitter getting bought by Elon where he can suppress liberal thought. I mean, it's hard to sort of penetrate any kind of messaging at this point. Did you see Elon Musk hanging out with Rupert Murdoch at the Super Bowl? I did, yeah. I mean, that's a little little scary to me. I mean, because (laughs) Elon kind of says he's neither liberal nor conservative, but all indications I'm getting from his actions and what he's posting and who he retweets on Twitter is he's very right wing. I don't know. Am I seeing something wrong? I don't know. That's what I'm seeing. Well, the thing is, man, you know, I, I went to four seasons worth of, of Colts games. I was on the sidelines uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. And as much entertainment value as those games provide, it was a little weird to see Rupert Murdoch and Elon Musk in this skybox as the two richest people in the world. Right. Among the commoners. I mean, it was sort of like Roman times. You know, it you know, is. You know what right. I mean? It's it's sort of history repeating itself in a more modern form. Very definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, what's one thing that you do? Because I know it's hard for me to even put down the phone with the way news uh, comes at you. What, what's a way that you relieve stress and, and get away from it? <laughs> um, I'm really into fitness. Uh, living where I live in Los Angeles, there are hiking trails right outside my front door, which Ooh. I love. I can just go out outdoors and I'm in the wilderness going up and down steep hills. So and that really started when the pandemic began because they closed all the gyms, of course. And all of a sudden I was left with no workout. You know, what am I going to do? And I go, wait a minute, maybe I should take advantage of my neighborhood yeah. and the hiking trails that are in it. And I discovered all of that during the pandemic, which, so I guess that was one of the benefits I got from, from the uh, lockdown was uh, really getting into fitness. So that's my way of decompressing yeah. and getting away from it all. I, uh, I, I picked up uh, yoga, which you can do at home anywhere, uh, which is always good, good for meditation. Everyone um, tells me I would love yoga and people freak out when I say, I've never taken a yoga class. Really? Like, what? You live in LA and you haven't taken a yoga class? Yeah. Well, and, and see, here's another thing that you probably need in LA to get a driver's license. Like everybody has a podcast, it seems like. <laughs> um, you know, uh, where do you see entertainment going in the future? Well, like you said, everyone's going to be in entertainment yeah. sooner or later. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually kind of a 
a nervous time for entertainment right now. You yeah. may have seen the viral clip of Steven Spielberg telling Tom Cruise at the Academy Awards luncheon, he actually said to him, you might have saved Hollywood with Top Gun Maverick because that got people back to the theaters, which is one of the, you know, that and Avatar, a couple of the few movies that have done that since the pandemic. So yeah, what the pandemic has done to the, to the motion picture theatrical exhibition business is kind of frightening mm. for all of us in Hollywood. Uh, you know, streaming got to be so popular during the pandemic. It was already popular and the pandemic just supercharged at-home streaming. So we'll see what happens. But that being said, with movies, with television, with cable, with streaming, um, that's a lot of hours of entertainment to fill. And if anyone's thinking of a career in the entertainment industry, um, now's a good time. There are something like 700 scripted shows on television between television, cable, and streaming right now, not to mention all the reality. So that's a lot of work and a lot of production going on. I know every soundstage is book solid at Universal Studios right now. So there's a lot of work and a lot of business happening in the entertainment industry right now. Not sure what direction it's going, going to go into. It seems mm -hmm. like it's gonna go more to streaming and out of the movie theaters, which is not good for the exhibition business, of course, but hopefully that will rebound as well. Yeah. Well, and uh, you've certainly accomplished plenty, uh, done all, nearly everything that you probably could do in the business, but uh, Mike, is there something else you want to accomplish in your career? In the business? No, I'm kind of uh, actually out of the business now. Um, after being at Universal for around 30 years, I invested my money during the entire time I was there. And uh, thankfully I was able to retire early, which was kind of weird telling my family and my bosses that because <laughs> they're like, you're crazy, you love your job, you've got a great job. I thought, well, I can always go back into it. Um, but I've been away for a few years now and haven't really gone back full time. I still do you know, a little bit of consulting here and there, mm -hmm. but I'm not really pursuing anything actively in the entertainment uh, industry right now. If something comes along that catches my interest, that isn't going to be a huge time commitment, I definitely would consider it. But okay. I've kind of moved on from that chapter of my life. Well, there, there's certainly no shortage of conventions or, or sporting events here in Indianapolis. And I, and I wanted to know if you've been here at any point. I have not, which is odd because, as I mentioned, I'm from the Midwest, but I have not been to Indianapolis. No, I certainly would like to visit. I love the Midwest. I love the people from the Midwest. And I got to say, it's a great place to grow up at. That's for sure. Well, and, and every show uses Indiana as a base. <laughs> they do. It seems like. I think like. everyone can relate to it, right? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, there's something very, very wholesome about Indiana that makes, that makes people feel comfortable. Um, David Letterman <laughs> joked that his advice would be to fly to Indianapolis, rent a car and drive to Chicago. But <laughs> oh god, that's mean. Oh no. <laughs> but I would recommend uh going to uh coming here in May and seeing the Indy 500 if you get a chance. That, that's well, that would a fun be event. so special. Yeah. Uh, very definitely. I can, I can only imagine how exciting it is at that time. It's exciting for me 
but it, there's no it's always a long walk no matter where you're going <laughs> you know it's right, like a, it's right. a mile to the bathroom mile to the snacks you know i i need to have my my setup and then move on from there um right. how, mike how can uh people reach out to you if they'd like to uh, they can reach out to me through all social media channels, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, or my uh, website, which is MikeSington.com. Everything is under my name, at MikeSington. All right. Uh, thank you, man, for being here on the show. It really uh, means a lot. And thank you for the education uh, and documenting your experience. Hey, Jimmy, it was a pleasure. Really nice getting to know you. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I'll be following your career now. So <laughs> All right. best of luck to you, uh, not only with your podcast, but with everything you do in your future. Thank you, man. Pressure's on. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. And I'll be watching for you on Twitter, too. <laughs> All right, folks, to check this uh, episode out again, check out my website, jbkonair.com. You can also get the podcast anywhere by searching JBK on air. And if you feel compelled to donate to the podcast, you can also do that with the link in the description. Until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.